So welcome this morning to Father's Day to the continuation of our series on hope for the church, how God wants us to be about being reconciled, being reconciled to one another, being reconciled to him. And then today we're going to be talking about bringing the reconciliation to the world. Now I want to say this to you, okay? Our world is in trouble. Would you agree? I mean, things are spiraling. I'm going to give you some great news. It's going to get worse. But Jesus is coming. It's going to get better. Now, between the gap of now and then, between now and the, get this word, the eschaton, which means the second coming. That's a fancy spiritual word. Try to work that word into a sentence this week. Eschaton. Can you do that? Between now and the eschaton, we are called by God to bring his love and his peace to people. We're called by God to usher in the season of his coming, to literally prepare the way of the Lord by telling people about Christ, by doing the good that needs doing, by being the ones who are rescuing people. That's our job. But we kind of don't do that, do we? We measure church differently than what God had intended. I think we've been duped. I think we've been tricked. I think we've been sold a bill of goods by the enemy itself who says, the best thing you can do is show up and shut up and then give up some cash. But God has a different plan. There's a quote from the great missionary uh, uh, medical doctor, map maker, David Livingston. David Livingston, the most popular man in the world during the 1800s. A medical missionary in Africa was the most popular world, most popular man. He was the Kim Kardashian. Some of y'all don't know who that is, do you? No. Of, of the 1800s. This is the prayer he prayed. Listen to this. Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on my back, only sustain me. And sever any tie but the tie that binds me to yourself. Now, I've said that prayer to you before because I want you to have that audacious prayer soak into the soil of your soul like it's soaked into mine. That's a dangerous prayer. And that prayer reverberates off the chambers of my heart and literally has become my prayer that I want God to have full access and control over my life. I don't want to live spiritually schizophrenic and categorized. I want to live all for Jesus. And he wants this church to live all for Jesus. And he does that with a couple of things. And I want you to hold on to these thoughts because we're going to jump into this. He does that, first of all, with the divine call in our lives. That he moves in our lives. And he woos in our lives. Now, this call of God is... Well, you see it throughout Scripture. Throughout the pages of Scripture, you see God moving in people's lives. To Abram, uh, he said, I'm going to make you a father of a great nation. To a wife that was barren and to an old man. And at 90 years old, his wife conceives and gives birth to a child. 90 years old. That's crazy. To Noah, he said, build a boat. It's going to rain. It had never rained Noah said, oh, okay, it's going to rain. What's rain? I kind of know how he feels right now. What's rain? 
We, we, hopefully we're gonna get some today. Uh, people have asked, are we gonna still baptize today even if it rains? And the answer is yes. Some of y'all will be immersed, some of y'all will be sprinkled, but we're gonna baptize today, rain or shine. Now get this. 22 people have registered to be baptized today at Cypress Creek. Is that awesome or what? 22. Now, there's still time for you. You don't have to register. If you show up and say, I want to be baptized, we will get you in the water. Some of y'all might want to volunteer your spouse to be baptized, and for 20 bucks, I hold them down till they're better. Okay, I'm just teasing. <laughs> But the call of God has reached out to a guy named Moses at 80 years old. He said, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. The call of God descended down through the ages to King David. He said, I'm going to make a dynasty out of you, and your kingdom will rule forever and ever, knowing that God looked down the pages of history and saw Christ out of the lineage of David. You see, God is not limited by time or space. And he called David, and then Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus calls Come, come see, come follow, come serve, come and die. And the call of God has marked history, and it has marked history for me and for you. You see, there are times in our lives, I'm going to call them freeze points, times that are frozen frozen in our memory, and frozen in our trajectory. Things that alter courses, things that change us. The wooing of God is just one of those things. Now I want to say this to you because I want you to hold on. You cannot even hear the call of God in your life until the Spirit of God awakens you to hear his voice. You don't recognize it. But the Spirit of God comes and he woos. And he calls. And your ears perk up. And you hear, for some of you, he's been calling you all your life, and you chose to ignore the voice. For many of you in this room, you said, here am I. And if you're a good Baptist, you say, here am I, send him. <laughs> but the truth is, God's call is whispering, and you can do nothing to make it happen, and you can do everything when it does by surrendering your life to him, to do the good that needs doing, to love the ones who need loving, to literally become the hope of the world. And when the church hears the call of God and responds to the call of God, we become messengers of the peace of God. And that changes everything. So this morning, I wanna take you on an adventure in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10. And I want to take you apart this passage and let you see how the call of God shapes then the assignment of God. God has brought you to himself, not just to get your hide out of heaven, or get your hide into heaven, rather. He's called you to help you live, to give heaven to others. I'll let you in a little inside. Whenever um, somebody's going to preach here or, or other places I preached, I would say to them, Give them heaven instead of what the Aggies say. Give them heaven. So this morning, I want to give you heaven so we can make heaven more glorious and more crowded. Offer King Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you want to say to us this morning. And I pray that you will speak through me. That will not be my words or my thoughts, 
but Father, your truth that will lead us into all understanding and all righteousness. Help us, oh God, to hear from you today and to be the church that you use, to be the people who've responded to your call and now who live all for you. And I pray this in your strong name. Amen. Go ahead and take out your Take the Weekend With You notes there in the middle there. You might want to jot some things down. I want to say to you that some of you are a rabbit. Are a rabbit. What? Because God has kicked you up. And you've run this big circle. And my grandfather taught me when you hunt rabbits, you kick them up, they'll run a big circle and they'll come right back to where you kicked them up. And God has kicked you up. And you've run a big circle. But guess what? You're running back into him. You cannot outrun God. You cannot outreach God. I, I love this, this Broadway show many years ago. It said, your arms are too short to box with God. God has got a long reach and is lovingly patient. And as you run away from him, you will run into him. So rabbit, come home. Come home. Today is the day for you to respond. Here's the first thing I want you to see out of this passage, that there's a calling that changes everything. There's a calling that changes everything. Now, this calling of God, this is something I think is, we need to demystify. Because I hear people say this, well, God called me to do this, and God called me to do that, and God called me to do the other. I had a conversation with a guy a few years ago. He said, I, I was actually talking to him on the phone, and he was on his way to Switzerland. And he said that, uh, Pastor, I'm going to Switzerland to pray about my marriage, whether or not I should reconcile with my wife. And I said, well, Bubba, you don't have to go to, to Switzerland for that. I can tell you what God wants you to do right now. Uh, God wants you to reconcile with your wife. And he says, no, I'm going to go pray about it. I'm going to go to the mountains of Switzerland to pray about it. I said, all right, go ahead. So he went and he came back and he said to me, God is calling me to divorce my wife. I said, Bubba, that's a lot of things, but that ain't God. Because God wants you to reconcile, being reconciliation. Now, obviously, there are things that the Bible allows for termination of marriage, but he wasn't facing one of them. He was facing a decision between his wife and another woman. And you know what that's called? Stupid. And what does stupid beget? Stupid. And what does it result in? More stupid. So there's a thing about the call of God that's demystified. Now I want to say this. I want to demystify this. It's the thing that God is asking you to do that you know you need to do. And listen to me very carefully. This is what I truly believe. God calls you to himself. And then he assigns you where he wants you to be. You see, the call of God is the same in every one of his life. Come follow me. Come follow me. Come give me your life. Come give me your life. And then what he chooses to do with your life is none of your business. It's God's business. And then he assigns you. A year ago, I stood here, around this time, stood here, listening to the assignment of God to come be your pastor. I wasn't looking for this. You weren't looking for this. In fact, I ain't going to take a revote today, okay? I'm just saying but God in his assignment called me when I was seven to give my life to him. And then he assigned me to follow him with my life. I want to say vocationally, but y'all, I don't have a vocation. I have an assignment, and so do you. 
How we make money, that's, that's, that's no big deal. How we live our lives, that is a big deal. Are you with me so far? So let's listen to this, here, here it is. There's a calling that changes everything. Let me read Romans 10, nine through 13. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. Is that it? Yep. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, why the heart and the mouth? Why did Paul say these things? Because this is what the Hebrews believed. This is what's really true. That the belief of your heart, that intertwining of your knowledge of your mind and the, and the emotions of your heart leads to the decision of the will. That I believe, I believe in Christ. I believe that he is who he says he is. I believe who he says he is historically. I believe who he says he is in, in manner and calling and wooing. I believe, and now I'm gonna close the loop between my head and my heart with my mouth and I'm gonna speak it out. I'm gonna speak it out. When I was dating Tara, I was in love with her. I mean, I'm in love. I'm all shook up. Thank you very much. I was in love with her. But I didn't want to tell her. Anybody else been like that? Yes, a few of you raise your hands. Some of y'all are thinking precious memories. I didn't want to tell her. Why? Because I was insecure. I didn't want to get rejected. She was way too pretty to be with me, and I thought she was like had this sight problem. I was in love with her, and I didn't want to tell her. So this is what i do. I'd say, baby, hey, baby, baby, hey, baby. You in love with me yet? And you know what she'd say? No, I'm not in love with you yet. So I ain't about to tell her I love her. If she ain't in love with me, I ain't going to tell her. I ain't going to go out on that limb. And then finally, it got to a place I said, look, baby, I got to tell you this. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I can't imagine my life without you. And she says, well, I guess I love you too. (laughs) So I married her. But I had to close the loop between my head and my heart with my mouth. And that's what Jesus is saying you do because it does not become real until you voice it. Now, some of you say, well, I told my wife I love her when I married her. If I change my mind, I'll let her know. That's stupid. Close the loop all the time. Close, tell your kids. You know, here in, in Texas, it's okay to kiss your horse but not kiss your kids. Come on. Close the loop. And that's what Jesus is saying here because it becomes real when we confess it. We believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth. For it's with the heart one believes and is justified, made right. It's with the mouth one confesses and is saved. It closes the loop. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame will might be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles. It's all the same for everyone, Paul's saying, or Jews and Greeks. For the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Everyone. Now, I don't know about you, but there's some folks I'm thinking, I don't want them to be saved. You know who they are? And uh, that's called wrong because the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Wow. Idi Amin calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Ted Bundy, the serial killer, calls upon him to be saved. Kim Jong-un calls upon the name of the Lord. He'll be saved. 
Donald Trump calls upon the name of the Lord, he'll be saved. Hillary Clinton calls upon the name of the Lord. She'll be saved. You see it? Billy Graham had to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. The Apostle Paul had to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Pastor Scott had to say. Because everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. See, you were called by God to be changed by God and to live for God. He doesn't call you because he needs you. He needs you. No. He calls you because he loves you. He loves you. I heard this uh, story that um, two little kids came to their grandfather and said, can we help you cut wood? He said, yeah, it'll take me two hours longer, but come on, you can help me. And see, God doesn't need us, but he wants us and he loves us. And this is a calling to salvation. Back in the day, there's a pastor that we see here last night. He's going to be at the 11 o'clock service. He grew up in this church. This church is 134 years old. He's a pastor in Louisiana. He's retiring. He's back here doing some stuff with family. And he was here last night. He saw, he smelled bacon and he came by. Bacon will always attract preachers. It just will. And he came by and we were talking last night. He said, and I, he said, so this is what preachers ask is, so what are you preaching on tomorrow? <laughs> I said, well, I just preached on this tonight, but I'm going to preach on it again tomorrow. I'm preaching on Romans uh, 10, 9, and 10, 11, 12, 13, and then down he goes, really? Well, he said, you know, when I was a little boy, our pastor, who was pastor here for 20-something years, ended every gathering quoting that scripture. Every time he preached, he closed with, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For as with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, whoever believes in the Lord will not be put to shame. Every week. Why did he do that? Because he loved his people. And why do I talk about this today? Because I love you. And I want you to hear the voice of God as he calls you. Why? Because this pastor didn't want anyone to miss heaven and miss God's calling. And I don't either. He wants all of you. Listen, you could come to church and miss Jesus. You could get to heaven and say, and the Lord says, why should I let you into heaven? You say, because I'm a Baptist. He goes, okay, try again. Because being a Baptist ain't going to get you there. Oh, I'm a Methodist. Okay. I'm a Presbyterian. Mm. I'm a Catholic. Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, because I believe it in my heart and I confess with my mouth. That's what makes me right with God. And that changes everything. This is the most important and serious decision you can ever make, is what will you do with Jesus? And you only have to do it once. Because the Lord never forgets. You may have forgotten. You may be like that old song, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And Jesus says, I've taken your heart and I've sealed it. I've sealed it for my courts above. Because we're held by God's promises, not our behaviors. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? If you have then, 
you're forever changed. If you haven't, today's the day of your salvation. You say, well, Scott, you don't know what I've done, what I've become. No, but God does. He's not going, whoa. No, he's got it. He's got it. Now I'll say this to you. When you say yes to Jesus, get this. You surrender your rights. You become what the Greeks called doulos, which is Greek for bondservant. You belong to Jesus. You give up your rights. You give up your rights to convenience and to comfort and to location and vocation. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. I just try to get into heaven. Yeah, but I would be deceiving you if I didn't tell you, when you say yes to Jesus, you surrender your rights. And so many of you, I will say this with love, so many of you are living frustrated lives in Christ because you've not surrendered yourself to Jesus. And you live in the tension of selfishness. Paul said it this way. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me, and the life I now live is by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. That means I've given up. I said to the Lord back in 2009, who in their right mind goes to Canada? And he says to me, I thought you'd do anything for me. Oh. Dead gummit. Who in their right mind starts churches? I thought you'd do anything for me. Who in their right mind revitalizes churches? And I find myself, y'all, at this advanced state of my life, leaning in. I had a young church planter with me, uh, Dr. Cheatham. He wants to plant a church on Texas State campus to reach students, and that's probably the most impossible, hard thing ever to do. He will starve to death. But he says, I'm going to do it. And I'm saying to him, practicality, you're an idiot, but in the reality of God, you got to go. you got to go. We're going down to Cuba. We might get arrested, y'all. We get arrested, I'm blaming Tom. Tom, you're going to jail. I'm not. No hablo espanol. Tom will tell them something about me, and I'll go to jail, right, Tom? Because you speak espanol. But the truth is, do we live surrendered lives? Last week, um, Kayla and our daughter Kayla and her husband John, and my son-in-law, my awesome son-in-law, they, uh, they came to church last Sunday. They came up here, they drove up, and they surprised us, and I looked up, and there they were, and, and they, I asked them, I said, did y'all bring the kids? Yes, okay, you could stay. That's good. Our two little girls, Ivy and Lily. And so afterwards, we went out to lunch. And of course, you know who gets to pay when we go out to lunch? Papa pays, that's right. It was so cute. Ivy was sitting between uh, Papa and Gigi, and she, was, she saw the Bluebell ice cream freezer. And she's three, so she probably reads. She's brilliant like her papa. But anyway, she looks and she says, Papa, 
they have ice cream here. And I went, it is great. And, and Kayla was going, uh-uh, Papa. I said, my job is to indulge this child. And so I, she said, I, uh, Kayla says to me, said, help Ivy get something off the kids' menu. I said, okay, so we're looking at the kids' menu. And I'm reading to her what's on the kids' menu. There's pizza, there's hamburgers, there's chicken strips, and there's Frito pie. And she looks at me with these big eyes. Pie? I said, yeah, baby, there's pie. She goes, pie? I want pie. I can have pie. And I said, you can't, baby. You can have pie. But it's not like the pie you're thinking about. What? I said, it's Frito pie. It's pie. I said, yeah, but it's, it's corn chips and chili and cheese and onion awesomeness. And it's pie. But I want pie. And Kalos, and Kalos says, she just wants sugar. I said, can you blame the child? But listen to me, this is exactly what we do with God. We want to pick our place. I want pie. When I was in seminary, I remember talking to students that would say, okay, what do you think God wants to do with your life when you go? Well, I'm going to go back to Mississippi where my mama lives, and we're going to pastor a little church there. Really? Now, obviously, churches in Mississippi need pastors, but are you going to say to God, I'm only going to serve Mississippi? Because I have to be close to my mama. Really? Sometimes the best place to be is a thousand miles away from your mama. <laughs> or I'm, I want to go to Georgia. I want to go out. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to tell God. I'm going to tell God. I'm going to tell God what I want to do. We do it all the time, don't we? We're dealing with problems in our lives. and We solve them. We give God suggestions. God, if you do this and do this and do this, then that would be awesome. And God said, no, 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 no. You don't tell me what to do because you belong to me. And this is what God wants from you. Listen to me. God wants your yes before he asks. Why? Because you're due loss. You're due loss. You're a bond servant. I didn't realize that this was happening when I said yes to Jesus. But it did. So it takes us back to the prayer of Livingston. But it also takes us to this question that I've asked you before. What would you do for God if you knew it was him who asked? And before you say, well, I'd do anything, I'd say liar, liar, pants on fire because you're not doing the things he's already asked you to do. He's asked you to connect. Are you connected? Are you a spiritual orphan? Are you connected into groups so you have accountability and love and community? Are, are, you, are you connected? Are, are you growing to be like Christ? I don't care how many Beth Moore studies you go to or precepts you take or BSFs you're in. If you're mean as a two-headed snake, you're not growing to be like Christ. Can I get an amen? Because Christ wants to change your character. He just don't want to fill your head with knowledge. He wants to fill your heart with his character. Now, by filling your head with his word, it fills your heart with his character. James says, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Are you uh, serving God by serving others? Are you using your, your shape, your spiritual gift, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences, all for King Jesus? Are you doing that? What would you do for God that you knew was him ask? Because you've been called. Because this leads brilliantly into the second thing that Paul was saying. This call leads to an assignment that changes your life forever. 
It changes everything. Listen to what Paul says. And how will they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? I read that, that translation. I didn't really like it because the someone preaching is really, that's an anglicized version of the Greek term. It it's really means someone who's sent. Who someone's sent. And we automatically, in our English understanding, in our Western culture, we think, how are they here without someone being the preacher? And we think the preacher is the guy that we hire to come aggravate us every week. And it's actually all of us. How someone said, and how will they preach unless they are sent? And as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, the gospel of peace. Paul was quoting Isaiah here because Paul had the whole book of Isaiah memorized. And Paul was reaching back to what Isaiah said that you will be the light to the Gentiles, this coming Messiah. And Paul was saying it's us. We're to proclaim Christ, the chosen one, to everyone. That no one's out of the reach of God's love. No one, Jew or Greek, Aggie or Longhorn. But they have not yet obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, who has believed what they have heard from us? And he was quoting, who has believed our report and who has seen our message? And he sprang up like a tender shoot, Isaiah the prophet, speaking of the suffering servant of Jesus. And I grow weary of hearing people promote that God called them to do this and God called them to do that. And actually it's not the call of God, it's the obedience to God because he's called you once and you belong to him. So you better suck it up, buttercup, and follow him. And I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, but that's a Canadian sorry. I'm really not sorry. Hmm. You see, we belong to him. And out of his sovereignty, he assigns us for his glory. It is not by chance. Listen to me very carefully, beloved. It is not by chance that you are in this room or watching us online this morning. It is not by chance. It's his sovereign will that you hear this message and respond with your lives. And it's a sovereign will of God that this church says we will be about making things right because we're obedient to this God who has saved us. Mm. This means we're to build relationships with people, to really love people, and to really care about people. Have you ever been made a project of someone? Or you know that they're pretending to be your very best friend so they could sell you something? Huh. Tara and I are talking about possibility of getting her a new, new ride, a new car. I hate buying cars. Are y'all with me on that one? I hate it. Because it's, howdy, howdy, friend, the neighbor's so good to see you. Come right in and have a seat. And like, I'm a preacher. I do this for a living. Stop it. Don't sell me. And it's just the pretense, but God really wants us to love people. And people are messy, aren't they? People bring problems, don't they? Everybody's normal till you get to know them, right? Just, but God asks us to love people. And I want you to get this quote. It's going to be up on the screen because I want you to get it. 
People come to Jesus best on the arm of a trusted friend, not through a slick sales presentation, but on the arm of a trusted friend. And people become like Jesus best into comfortable circles of hope and restoration and care. We call them groups. This summer, we're going to ratchet up the group intensity. And this fall, we want to double our group life here at First Baptist Church because we believe everyone in Wimberley ought to be connected in a group. Everyone in Wimberley ought to be connected in a group. In fact, I'm going to be really bold. Everyone in Wood Creek, everyone in Dripping Springs, Everyone in Driftwood, which I don't even know the location of Driftwood, is this nebulous area that's out there that spreads thousands of miles. Y'all, are y'all with me? Where the heck's Driftwood? But God wants them all connected. Everyone in San Marcos, everyone in Kyle, everyone in Buda, even everyone in Austin. And that's where we have the weird groups. Some of y'all could be missionaries because you're weird too, right? Wow. He wants it all to be connected. And we are literally, get this, we are literally people of the beautiful fate. Is that enough of that? Okay, hold on. I got to put it back on now because I can't stand it any longer. We are beautiful fate people because we bring the gospel of peace. Now, some of y'all ain't going to remember nothing else I said. He took his shoe off on stage. You should have been there. (laughs) We got an idiot for a preacher, okay? Just remember, y'all the one who asked me here. I didn't volunteer. You see, the most, we have to move. Now, we offer a step-out class, a part of our, our next steps process of the Building Lives Commitment, the next steps class that teaches you how to step out and share the love of Jesus. We want to equip you to do that. So we're, we're loving enough to say, okay, we, we want to do this together. So we do this together. And so we must move from being a church who prays and pays and stays out of the way to being a church who prays, who gives, and who goes. To use our beautiful feet to love people to Jesus. Because how are they going to hear unless someone is sent? And the Lord says, who will go for me and who will, who will I send? And you say, here am I, Lord, send me. Hmm. It's not by chance that God spoke of these calling on Jesus to hearing the assignment from Jesus. It's not, it's not by chance that Paul lined this up. It's not just a calling to pastors, but a calling to all of us. So I want to ask you to know, who do you know that needs to hear about the good news of Jesus? Who's in your circle? Who do you run into on a regular basis? Is it your family? Is it your friends? Is it? I wonder if the people at the quick check need to know about Christ. Oh, but they got neck tattoos. And you're better than that? We don't want them kind of people in our church. You know, I remember the first church I served out of seminary, I heard that statement from the deacons. Now, we don't want them kind of people in our church. And I said, then God doesn't want you in his church. I was young and stupid. I didn't stay there long. (laughs) 
God loves people. Who do you know? I started to tell you this, but I thought differently, so I'm not going to tell you. But let me tell you what I would tell you if I was going to tell you. (laughs) Friends don't let friends go to hell. Friends don't let friends go to hell. And I would be unloving to tell you it's all right when it's not all right. When it's not all right. So it takes us back to Livingston. Lord, send me anywhere, but only go with me. Lay any burden on my back, only sustain me. Sever any tie but the tie that binds me to yourself. Really? Yeah, really. If we make that decision personally, then we make that decision corporately, then we start bringing reconciliation to right the world. All for Jesus. The world will never be right until Christ comes. But until that day comes, we're to prepare the way of the Lord. So in your bulletin's a bookmark. Go ahead and pull that out. On the back of it, some things to pray for. On it is a reminder of something that I wrote a few months ago for this church. And I want us to remind us of who we are. So I want to read this to you, and I want you to listen. You can follow along. I don't know if it's exactly the same as I have posted, but I think it's pretty close. Let me read this for you. I want this to soak into your heart. And maybe we can say at the end of this, amen. Amen. Jesus, I'm yours. We're in. Jesus, we're yours. Let me read. We see a church. The church we see is a church of influence. A church on purpose whose heart is so large that the cities and nations cannot ignore it. A church with a message so clear that lives are changed forever. A church God is using to reach broken people at such a pace that buildings struggle to contain the increase. Look at me, beloved. Do you know why we did two vacation Bible schools this week? Because our buildings would not sustain the children. Okay, go back to reading. We see a church whose heartfelt praise and worship touches heaven and changes earth through worship that exalts Jesus Christ. We see a church that is devoted to connecting with God and each other, committed to spiritual growth to become like Jesus, relentless in serving God by serving others, and passionate about sharing the love of God in word and deed. We see a church that is so dependent on the Holy Spirit that nothing will stop it nor stand in its way or stand against it. A church whose people are unified, praying and devoted to Christ and to one another. We see a church that has a message so clear that lives are changed forever and potential is fulfilled through the power of God's word. We see a church so compassionate that people are drawn from impossible situations into loving, friendly circles of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We see a church so kingdom-minded that she counts whatever the cost and pays whatever the price to see lives changed. We see a church that is empowering and equipping people in order to contribute back into their lives of their community, increasing their sense of value, self-worth, and dignity. We see a church with a passionate global vision, desiring to communicate God's love and bring God's peace to the ends of the earth. We see a church so committed to raising, training, and empowering a generation of leaders who build lives that all her efforts are consumed by that, with this goal. We see a church whose head is Jesus, whose help is the Holy Spirit, whose focus is the great commandment and the great commission. 
Yes, the church that we see is God's church, this church, First Baptist Church, Wimberley, Texas, all for Jesus. Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you want this? Will you say, Jesus, I'm yours? Because I've heard your call. I accept your assignment. And I'm going to live. Offer you, Jesus. Will this church be this church? I pray that right now in the pit of hell, Satan is slapping his forehead and going, oh my gracious, they're getting it. Let's get it all for Jesus.